Hi, and welcome to Melodies of Life. I'm your host, Anna Enka. Today's episode is about how to diffuse arguments. For most of us, arguing is extremely unpleasant and stressful. As we walk through our days, we hope that most of our interaction will be satisfying and free of conflict. Most people get triggered when they become challenged or confronted by others, especially if there's a difference in their opinions. Some people have such a desire and they're determined to argue no matter what. This could be about almost anything and with anyone, including our most intimate partners, family members, friends, or colleagues. Unsolved arguments weigh heavily both mentally and physically on both parties. Sustained arguments can initiate a fight-or-flight response, which can take a toll on both parties' immune system and overall well-being. One of the unique habits of the human brain is its natural tendency to behave in a certain way to mirror the state of others. Think about that. So, as an example, when we see a newborn baby smile, we can't help but smile. We look at that little cute baby and it just kind of happens. We smile, right? But we can all agree that the opposite is also true. When we experience our partners irritated or irritation or they anger, we can then get defensive and we can get angry. We feel an instant surge of irritation and anger. It just happens. We all have been there. It is called complementary behavior. It's a fancy word of saying that when your partner comes at you with anger or irritation, you are wired to respond in the same way. Pretty scary, right? Because it's a hardwired feature of the brain that leads to endless arguments and conflict. I see it daily in my work with my clients and, you know, in the society, with friends and co-workers. I mean, everywhere we look, we can see it, right? Now you will be asking yourself, is there a way out of this cycle? Well, let's have a look, shall we? Sometimes being right Insisting how right we are is very, very wrong because we all love being right, don't we? During an intense discussion or argument about something, we feel the urge of adrenaline to defeat the other person and who doesn't love winning, right? It's a competition, always. Do you truly care about the truth of what you were discussing with your husband or wife or Could you be honest and ask yourself if it was about winning? Are you sure it wasn't more about pride than what was best for your relationship? If we are emphasizing how right we are, it's far less important than how much we value our spouse. Beating him or her down to the club of correctness won't get the job done. It will, however, get a job done it will beat us apart from one another. And we don't want that. Is that really what you want? Think about it. Being right and alone and separated emotionally and often physically from that person you pledge your life to? Come on here. Really take a look in the mirror and ask yourself, is it worth it? No, you don't want to be alone. Please don't do that to yourself or to your relationship. It's not worth it. 
There are so many reasons why individuals argue. If you look at patterns, however, you will notice that when you and your partner, kids, colleagues, or friends tend to argue about the same topic over and over, it's just like a broken record. It just keeps playing. The moment, or let's say like this, if you take the moment and you write down the topics, if you really think about it, what is it that gets you embroiled in a conflict? Really think about it, write it down. And let's join me in how I describe strategies to help you to effectively handle arguments. First of all, we have to look within. It is not what others do or say or even what happens to you that is crucial. It is how you perceive it and what you decide to do with it or about it. To have a heated or lasting argument takes two people who stubbornly desire to be right, who are taking a firm or rigid stance by projecting their limited opinions onto each other. Being right does not lead to resolution. If you can be understanding and resilient, the outcome will be different. So let's play here. Ask yourself, what specifically are they doing or not doing or saying or not saying, write those things down and ask yourself. And I want you to be honest with yourself because you have to understand what starts your emotional anger response. Yes, yours. And your desire to remain in an argument with them and have the need to be right. What role are you playing in starting what they are doing or saying? Where and when have you acted, stated, or believed in the same or similar manner? Who observed you doing this? When you take the time to identify where and when you have acted in the same manner, it calms down extreme degrees of self-righteousness and denial that comes with it. Looking at your own role is more fruitful and can add so much meaning and flexibility. And the next question is, can you ask yourself, how is their side of the argument serving you? How could hearing what they have to say benefit you? Really think about it for a second. Don't rush it here. Do the work with me. Remember, there are many opinions and yours is just one of them. Being right is not the wise approach to human interaction. So just for fun, during the next argument, see what happens when you open the possibility that you are wrong. Okay? Let's just play this, right? Listening and learning about different viewpoints can help expand your awareness. Being a quality listener pays off. Listening carefully before we speak open doorways of greater communication. We can't get away from that. Did you know that we all draw in people to argue with when we are puffed up, exaggerating our position in life? You didn't know that, did you? The arguer is helping us to go deeper in our true nature and develop greater composure within ourselves and others. As an example, what would happen if now when they are arguing with you, they would suddenly turn around and completely agree with you? What would the drawback and the downside be? Can you look at it that way? 
I want everyone to understand that it's unwise to assume that others are there only to support us. It doesn't work like that. Most people hold on to fantasies about how life is supposed to be instead of facing the true and balanced beauty of how life is. This will be hard for most people to understand, but stay with me. If everyone agreed with you, we become stagnant and remain trapped in our delusive fantasy world. Would you agree? Maybe not. And if not, let's continue. We do not grow fully until we are, we also become challenged, like in all areas of our life, not just one. We all require similarities and differences, cooperation and competition, likes and dislikes, agreements and disagreement to adapt and grow in life. Would you agree to that? We require both sides of the magnet that I call life to have magnetism, the power to attract and create whatever is needed for happiness and well-being. We can all rise above emotional reactions with a more objective, expanded, and reasonable viewpoint. By governing yourself is the starting point for bringing resolution to others. Communicating your views in terms of their highest value, it's not easy, but you have to do it, because people are dedicated to fulfilling their own highest value, not necessarily yours. When they perceive that you are communicating in a way that helps them fulfill what is most meaningful and important to them, they calm down and become receptive and more attentive listeners. You can help them fulfill what they desire and they in turn will soften their stance and turn around to assist you with what you desire. My favorite is, I always say this, learn to disagree and still respect each other's opinion. I know that one is very, very difficult, but just try it. Try to concentrating on any component you do agree with. It softens the other reactions. Identify similarities as well as differences. Keep in mind that maximum growth and development happens at the border of similarities and differences, support and challenges, agreement and disagreement. Before letting your argument get out of hand, understand the balancing act of the human nature. Help yourself and others to return to appreciation and love. And I know that is the hardest way. And, and the hardest part is probably to say thank you uh, because that lets you know that your argument is resolved, right? In most arguments, neither side is completely right or completely wrong. If you can learn to see their perspective, you will understand why they are angry or upset or why you guys are having this argument. Many fights boils down to misunderstanding. You might not even arguing about the same thing. Give yourself a moment of time to calm down your emotional reactions. Step back and take inventory of what started the argument. This will allow you to ask yourself some questions about your involvement and the reason for and the purpose of the ar argument. Many arguments that should be minor can quickly blow up because both parties let their emotions get the better of them. In the heat of the moment, many damaging words can be spoken. We all have done it, and we all been there. That will later be deeply regretted, and unfortunately, words can never be taken back. 
And I want you to avoid such a mistakes by staying as calm as possible, even if it is very difficult to do, but you have to try it. Um, ideally, all arguments would end up with both sides agreeing and walking away happy. But in the real world, some differences can't realistically be solved. That's just the reality of it. And one of the keys is learning when to recognize a lost cause. What I mean by that is not, it's uh, neither of you is going to budge. We all have been there and you can see that, you can tell, right? Uh, and then in that moment, be humble enough to end the conversation and move on. It's a difficult thing to do, but it's an important one. Um, <clears throat> the argument, uh, like for some people, they argue, oh, you didn't take out the trash. And uh, they use that as an excuse to belittle their partner's character. And that is wrong because such an insult and eye rolling and are very dangerous in the long-term relationship. Uh, because when we keep doing that, I see it all the time, like a uh, husband or a wife, they say something to each other, right? And the eyes are rolling in front of other people to, they don't say any words, but they're using the eye movement to look, oh, she's so stupid, or I don't know what she's talking about. And the eye rolling is, it's disrespectful, right? And it's actually one of the biggest predictors of divorce when you mistreat somebody and disrespect somebody in that fashion. So don't do it. When you're irritated, it's easy for the scope of a fight to broaden, right? And the dispute to become a chance for both sides to vent their annoyance on all topics. But what's important is you got to stay focused on what is it that you're arguing about and not drag in everything else. Because this sort of kitchen sinking will just cause more pain and it will not help solve the original problem. If you must argue, at least stay focused on, what, on the matter of the hand and don't drag in everything else that you guys are not fighting about. And don't bring up what 10 years ago you did this and this happened and because of this you're still angry about it. And because when people get into big arguments, their egos can get in the way of a resolution and that's just how it is. Sometimes a dispute will continue for hours because each partner wants to win the argument and prove the other person wrong. And it's just not healthy. Of course, this only makes matters worse. Would you agree? Remember, harsh fighting is a lose-lose scenario for a marriage. You will ultimately be happier if you back down or just agree to disagree. Our brain often pay more attention to the nonverbal tone, facial expression than the actual words being said in the argument. Shouting and screaming and aggressive standoffish stance or refusing to talk can just do as much damage as harsh words are spoken. And sometimes with even noticing it, a person can raise their voice and they're just not aware of it. So pay attention to how you hold yourself and how you speak and if you're allowed, maybe you can speak in a softer, calmer, more natural voice. Don't mimic the other person. Whatever the nature of the discussion, maintain a friendly attitude will indicate that you do not want the argument to escalate. So if one person, think about this, if two people are pushing each other, what happens, right? There is a friction. But if one is pushing and the other one doesn't, the other person will fall, right? Because there's no resistance anymore. And um, 
And I also know people going to say there's some people that say, yeah, I've tried all the above and I don't see any results and blah, 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 blah. For you, I want to say this. So there is something called the opposite of complementary behavior. It's a non and then a non-complementary behavior. Uh, it's the radical practice of doing the exact opposite of your partner during a conflict. So, for example, it is, this is the move of responding to your partner's uh, searing resentment with love and generosity. It is extreme. It's a counter to our most deep-wired instincts. But yet, this is the move that you can dissolve an argument in 30 seconds or less. And it really, really works. But are you willing to do it? Because when you break the cycle of anger, I mean, sorry, the cycle of an anger by responding with genuine love, kindness, and curiosity, you change the game. Your partner might initially wonder, what the hell is going on here? Or they may ask you, are you feeling okay? You know, sarcasm like that. But eventually, your non-complimentary love and generosity will become contagious and the argument will dissolve. Here's an example of a situation between couples, right? One person screams, whatever, just leave me alone. I'm tired of listening to you and blah, 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 right? So Maria stomps her feet up the stairs and slams the door into the bedroom. A few moments later, she slams the front door, leaving for work. Mike is stressed out, furious, angry, and hurt. He wanted to rush outside and demand that Maria treats him with respect. At this point, he imagined giving her the silence treatment until she apologized. But deep inside, he knew this would prolong the fight and compound the resentment. Mike goes upstairs, he tidies their room, and he does her laundry. He arranges some flowers on the nightstand, and then he goes to work. Maria gets home late and is tired from a long day at work. She sneers at Mike briefly over the edge of her phone and goes upstairs knowing that her laundry needs to be done before work tomorrow morning. After a few moments, she comes down the stairs with a gentleness on her face, and she says, Mike, did you do my laundry? Mike says, yes. Maria says, and the flowers? Mike says, I know how stressful work has been for you, after our, our argument this morning, I felt bad all day about how things went this morning and I thought the flowers would maybe cheer you up. Maria says, they did. You're so sweet. Thank you. Maria walked up to Mike, gave him a hug and said, I am sorry. Mike hugged her back and said, me too. What Mike did in this fictional scenario that I just gave you was difficult and counterintuitive. Would you agree? But in that moment, you could feel like giving up too much and setting yourself up for being taken advantage of, right? If you were in the same situation. You might say, why should he have to do something nice for Maria? She was rude and she owed him an apology. But we can all see it worked, right? Mike lost the battle to win the war. And in the end, the couple joined around the fact that the stresses of life are the enemy and they are on the same team. The typical course of action would be for Maria's cold behavior to lead to Mike's being cold, which would in turn lead to even colder behavior by Maria and so on. Would you agree? 
In every situation, we have two scenarios. The first one is the warmth brings about the warmth, where coldness brings about coldness. If someone is nice to you, you tend to be nice back. If they are not nice, you might say or think, then why should I be? Don't think like that. It does not solve anything. Remember, Mike's warm response to Maria's coldness led to her apology, which is what Mike really wanted. And he would unlikely receive that if he gave her the silence treatment. Correct? It is hard to see those we disagree with in a compassionate light, but it is the most important thing we can do. And if nothing else, remember you will have the satisfaction of you did your best. And that means a lot. Are you feeling disconnected in your relationship? Or do you find yourself snapping and yelling at your partner most of the time? Have you spent years in couples therapy? And did they make you focus on how to communicate? And this approach can be helpful in the short term, but it doesn't last in the long run because a focus on skills does not touch on the deeper emotional issues at play in the relationship. People are hardwired for human connection. If we are not able to share our feelings, needs, and want, then intimacy is not possible. I am ready to help and will work with you to identify the issues you are having in your relationships. I do not take sides or gang up on one person, even if there have been a major betrayal in your relationship. After my initial consultation with my clients, I talk with each person one-on-one to get to know them and hear their perception and experiences in their relationship. To understand their problems they're having and to focus on the strength and asset they have as a couple that have been forgotten or have or they have trouble seeing now. The biggest predictor of success when I work with people is how invested both people are in the process. And the relationship you have is going to be based on how much work you put in. And your willingness to look at your role in improving the relationship and the trust you feel that I can help you. Couples engaged in my process to heal their relationship often find themselves feeling closer and more connected than ever before to their partner. And they're listening to their partner's concerns, feelings, and need, stops them from having depression, and they feel happier and more alive. They become more physical and sexually connected to each other. And I find such joy and happiness in seeing people rediscover the love and the connection they had for each other when they first fell in love. I saw in my own previous marriages my struggles that led me to eventually getting divorced. I knew I wanted something different, and I worked hard for many years to create the amazing marriage I have today with my husband. I know in my heart that's a fulfilling, strong, and joyful relationship. And I know it's possible even for you. And let me show you how. And I want you to remember, divorce does not have to be your last option. You can always learn how to appreciate and love your partner more. Please visit my website, Ananka Wellness. Use my podcast, AA, and you will get your first session for $100. If you have any questions while listening, please subscribe and leave your comments, and you will receive answers to your specific questions. Please hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you love it, please give me a review and share it. That would allow me to impact people worldwide. Thank you for listening. Love always, Anna.